is going on everybody welcome in to another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous monday november 20th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man how we doing today it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood i'll tell you i got a view up here in bear country you got a you, you got an absolutely tremendous view you've an absolute Absolutely tremendous show lined up for us today, guys. Buckle up. It's going to be a lot of fun. First up on the menu, we're going to start with an opinion article. Net zero policies colliding with economic <laughs> reality. This is uh, via finance or Yahoo Finance. Henry Gerditz, he works in venture capital internationally. He's got a PhD in political economy. Net zero policies colliding with economic reality. This will be a good one. Next up, we're going to a string of EU stories here. EU state threatens to block new or block new sanctions on Russia. Bloomberg outlines how Russia has shrugged off sanctions. And finally, reduce your emissions within two months or face the consequences. Brussels tells 12 state members. So a block of EU stories there, really some kind of craziness going on there. We'll then step over to China and U.S. relations and talk a little bit about the Chinese tech companies that are exploiting U.S. green energy goals, according to a former State Department official. Ooh, dun, 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 dun. And then finally, BP seeks partnership to navigate renewable storm. Um, so in the end, you know, we're not dead yet, as BP says. They're, they, we're, not, they, we're, we're not quite dead yet, is he? sitting there with an arrow in their investor's <laughs> chest. <laughs> We're not quite dead yet, BP says, as they seek to, to partner with Renewable Storms. Uh, Stool, then kick it over to me. I'll quickly cover what happened uh, financial-wise, both in the overall markets, but mainly what happened uh, in the oil and gas markets. We did see prices rise substantially after really what was a brutal Thursday. So we'll, we'll cover kind of what the outlook looks like as, as we move into Thanksgiving here. A um, couple stories in uh, that I find interesting, specifically some uh, a new Reuters piece coming out um, this weekend saying specifically that OPEC could be considering um, more oil cuts. So I'm fascinated by there. And then, of course, we've got to check in with rig counts. And then we'll let you guys get out of here and start your Monday. We hope it's a short week. Um, as we move into this Thanksgiving, I think the plan for the show is we'll, we'll we have a show today. We'll have a show tomorrow. And I think we're going to take um, in terms of the daily stand up, we're going to take Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, take a little break, um, let you guys settle in. But we're going to drop. We've got about five podcasts in the hopper coming up that that we want to that we're going to be dropping from Stu's. Who, who, who are the five, Stu? Give us the rundown. What do, who are the five that you, they're going to hear? Okay, we got Grace uh, Stanky, the uh, Miss America just yes. dropped. And then we have Dr. Robert Brooks. We have Ronald uh, Stein, an, an author. This is my second one. He is pretty cool. Ronald. Some Dr. Uh, Ronald Stein. And then we have also, uh, we have Mark Masters, the, I mean, he's a media mogul. And then we have an international wild man that is actually great, George McMillan. And this is a two-hour podcast. Ooh. This one is rare, but it talks about why we are in an energy crisis. And I, I am flabbergasted. Then we have Tom Kirkman coming up. Then we have... Uh, oh, good old Tom. That'll be a fun one. Oh, he's... he. I love Tom. He's and wild. Then, uh, and then we have several others... Yeah, so we're off and running, dude. 
Let's get no, on. No, it'll be way. awesome, guys. So check that out um, Wednesday through Sunday, and then back Monday morning um, to start your week. We will be back with the daily standup. Um, and so I vote we go ahead and dive on in, Stu. But before we do that, as always, remember, guys, the news and analysis you are about to hear is brought to you by the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com. Stu and the team do a great job of curating all of this uh, stuff on the website to make sure you can, if you visit energynewsbeat.com, you are up to speed with everything going on in the energy and oil and gas business. Um, you could check us out, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, at Energy Newsbeat for YouTube. Great place to support the show. Check us out. You can email the show, questions at energynewsbeat.com. You can hit the description below and see all of the different timestamps and links to the articles that we are about to cover. Um, you can check out our new data news platform, dashboard.energynewsbeat.com. We'll come up with a sexier name for that. We're really just trying to push push that data news combo. <laughs> good things come. It's all, I love a good sexy name, Stu. I mean, also check out, we're, we're proud to announce we've got uh, a, a new long-term segment coming out, Deal Spotlight. Um, We'll have more info on that, but we're going to be breaking down oil and gas deals um, and, and kind of bringing you guys behind the curtain. We've partnered with Combo Curve and Well Database to, to bring you some some really awesome A&D workflows. I'm excited to roll that out. We've got our first one in the bank we recorded yesterday. Well, actually on Saturday, so it'll be interesting once that get cut up. We're excited to push that out there and we'll be, we'll try to push out one, two a month. I'm not quite sure what we'll do. This one was a two-parter. So we'll have to kind of figure out um, how, how we want to set that and how we want to go. Some of the, some of them, like the mineral deals are going to be quicker. This one was, was more of a put evaluation. That's going to probably take a little bit longer because there's a, a bigger workflow involved, but really excited to roll that out. So you can check that out, energynewsbeat.com or on our YouTube channel. I'm at a Brett though, Stu. Let's go ahead and start the show. Where do you want to begin? Hey, let's start with our, our EMB thread today is going to be net zero policies colliding with economic reality. Michael, this is just wild. Uh, as you mentioned, as we started in the show, um, this one is is really important because net zero is unattainable with the current uh, mindset around the world. All of the politics around net zero are colliding with reality, yet most politicians seem oblivious to the dynamics at play until the Great Awakening kicks in and they're not going to get reelected. We're about to see a global rut row. This is a global Scooby about to happen here. Demand for hydrocarbons remains at over 80% of the total. Exxon and Chevron recently invested, invested a combined, Michael, $110 billion in long-term U.S. oil and gas development, driving home the reality that liquid hydrocarbons will be as indispensable by post-2050 as they are today. Holy smokes. What were you going to say? I was just going to push back. Yes, they've invested in the oil and gas business. I wouldn't say they've invested in oil and gas development if only because they're just buying companies. Now, I'm not going to nitpick, but that's what I do. I, 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 I'd I reframe that sentence a little bit if I was the editor. I, I would I would agree with that. And here's uh, here's why. But the fact that they're buying already existing production. Ah, there's that investment there. If you were, if they were not buying that, I would disagree with you from that standpoint, but they're buying existing PDP and existing production. Now they're going to, uh, they're going to keep drilling. Of absolutely. course. I mean, I think that's the point. I don't think, I don't think with these acquisitions, either of them are shutting down. I, and I don't want to get too caught up in that. I just, no. I, I gotta, I gotta call a red herring when I see it. Okay. Um, but uh, here's the other piece of this. Siemens has a uh, uh, $16 billion bailout. 
Ah, this fits into the thread. Uh, Siemens lost a billion last year. They're triggered to lose a billion this year. That's sustainable. I mean, unless you're, you know, just really looking for getting your investors like away, they're going to change their business model. That's going to fit into this thread later on. So what you're seeing is the failure of offshore wind and wind. Solar still got some legs on it. I'm going to be honest with you. Solar, and I'll go into that in a different time. I'm writing some articles on how solar has longer legs than wind. And I'll go into that later. Okay. Let's go to the EU. My buddies at the EU, I can't wait to interview some of the EU leaders. They would love to talk to me. EU state threatens to block new sanctions on Russia. Michael, they get, there's about three stories in this particular subthread that we're talking about today. This is, Michael, they're getting ready to, according to the minister, would not block the much-debated batch of penalties on Moscow because they're going on uranium and nuclear export technology that they need their Russian plants built with. Mm-hmm. The U.S. uses, Michael... How much would you guess the U.S. uses in importing Russian uranium? How much? Oh, I bet we're probably 15%. 20. If they sanction it, talk about uh, sanction hypocrites. If we do that, the 11 packages of sanctions failed to stop Russia in these other articles. They are absolutely hilarious. There's another article that came out. Russia's actually succeeding. Russia is going to EVs and they're doing it on their own. How cool is that? Because they have all the natural gas. It makes sense for Russia to do it. Okay, let's, here's the next one coming around the corner, Michael, in this thread. Reduce your emissions with two within two months or face the consequences. Holy smokes. She's got a newspaper up and she's beating these countries in the nose with a newspaper. Let's go down here. Luxembourg, Poland, Romania, opinion, uh, reasoned, unbelievable, a formal notice to them to go, you reduce your, uh, output. You gotta be kidding me. This is absolutely nuts. And now they have another bad dog list that they're getting ready to send out. It's just two months to respond to remedy and shortcomings. This is nuts. So what do you see? So, oh, scary. A strongly worded memo gets sent to a bunch of different countries. Is there anything Brussels can actually do? From a like a legitimate standpoint, can they would they start sanctioning Poland, Romania and all these other countries? Would they impose some sort of economic sanctions on them? I mean, what would they they actually is that the next step? But it would go uh, to a vote within the EU. And and who what it's going to turn into a mess. The second order of magnitude that you love, Michael, is this is going to continue to decouple a Brexit. This is going to be an. EU exit. <laughs> Interesting. So you're going to have uh here first. You're going to have a Rome exit. You're going to have a pole exit. You're going to have a Luxem exit. Interesting. And, and, uh, and I, the, they're doing their own death. Mm-hmm. And this, their own uh, Harry Carey that we're seeing here is the net zero Harry Carey. And this thread is probably one of the most important threads that we've had as Energy Newsbeat. Because it's global, 
it's the it's the whole net zero and now you're coming into the thread of wind failing you have the david blackman's out there talking about uh with megan uh on the way random guy on substack random my favorite random guy in fact every time i see him i gotta hug my random guy i love me some david blackman so um anyway so you see all of these articles in this thread are multi-thread we have a sub-thread and we have second order of magnitude this is a heck of a book i'm writing okay so let's go into another sub-thread in here which is kind of a fork now we're now this forking. like this is like inception we're going like six dream la- layers deep <laughs> this is the eight layers of, of kevin bacon on the show so we have threads we have layers of bacon uh did i mention bacon chinese tech companies are exploiting u.s green energy goals former state departments warn our beloved chowderhead who doesn't know where he is and he has depends flowing out of his pants Kind of like Jerry Nadler. I'm talking about President Biden. What a knothead. Here's a quote. It would be very ironic if we moved towards electric vehicles to the numbers that Biden administration is talking about. And the key components come from China. Hokestra, who's served as U.S. ambassador in the Netherlands from 2018 to 2021, told Fox Digital. That's a terrible, terrible place to be in. We had, Michael, this week, last week, we had our president handed our soldiers Chinese flags to hold. Our military are holding Chinese flags. You got to be kidding me. This man rolled over like a dog with his belly going, pet me. This is the most despicable president we've ever had. Sorry for getting worked up, but that really kind of got me all worked up uh, as a disgust. Anyway, this article comes from Fox, uh, and I I think that they actually uh, did great. This is another one Celia uh, mentions. Subnational incursions are afoot, uh, Celia told Fox Digital News in an interview. China is on the hunt. The Chinese Communist Party is on the hunt. They're getting ready to look at these open doors to kick in. And in states, they have carried a great sway. You just need to look at Goshen or Cattle, textbook examples of this influence operation. This is another one. Michael, we're in the same city that China and that Xi and and Biden, as he can't even say his own last name. Biden say is that they're in there and they had a CCP owned lab that was doing counterfeit COVID tests. They had E. coli, they had Ebola, they had all these other ones in this lab owned by the CCP so they could pollute San Francisco. And then we have Governor Newsom out there cleaning up the city that he said he couldn't even do his own people. And all of a sudden he admits, oh, because President Z comes in, I'll clean it up. Holy smokes. What a bunch of hypocrites. Okay, I'm done worked up on this, but let's go to BP. The big oil companies have their big boy pants on, Michael. Okay. Let's back up just a little bit. This article says BP seeks partnership to navigate renewable storm. This is about as critical as it gets, even though this is a different thread. The thread is the Chevron and Exxon. U.S. big oil have absolutely done a different take to the net zero than did the European big oil. 
European big oil is now turning 180 degrees, but they're dragging along the renewables in a positive way trying to survive. BP seeks partnerships to navigate the renewable storm. Let me go through this one. This is also from our buddies over at Reuters. Let's see. Uh, Angela Isabella Donsworth, who leads BP's renewable business, this is new because the old BP guy quit, told uh, Reuters that it's time to deliver seeking partners in Japan. One of the markets identified for growth was part of the solution. Offshore wind industry was uh, fundamentally broken after BP wrote down $540 million on its uh, wind power projects in New York, blaming inflation and red tape. Globally, the renewables sector has been undermined by slow permitting, technological challenges, rising raw material costs, and higher costs of capital, and now they're asking for bailouts. Holy smokes. Anyway, you can see how this thread is now a goodness, a shout out in positiveness for big oil. Does that make sense? You're on fire today, Stu. I am. Both of my hairs are on fire. No. Uh, um, (laughs) You can see the pivot that BP's doing right now in... it's it's not a sleight of hand because they're 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 saying it, but what they're saying is, hey, we need to focus on not doing as much in the renewable space, and if we can factor some of this out, factor out a lot of the the business process of getting these wind farms spun up, and we can just be responsible for the deployment and maintenance of these things, maybe we'll be able to make some money here. But I think it's it's pretty interesting, and I, I think as you said, I think you know wind is coming to the forefront because I think people are realizing, like, wait a second, we ask for renewable energy, not necessarily wind farms. Now, and it's not sustainable. Yes, I think that's the point. People are like, well, the, you're trying to shove something. It's very obvious to see that a huge wind farm is not sustainable. I mean, I think everybody notices that, which is hilarious. There's a place for wind, and it's where you cannot import in LNG, and it's a smaller island. It, it is in a smaller community that it's tough to get transmission lines. I mean, I'm all about it in the right wait, place. When you get the the, the, the head of renewables for BP, somebody who has invested billions into wind, saying, quote, the U.S. offshore wind industry was fundamentally broken. I don't know what what more can you see? They want BP and, and, and this department desperately wants wind to work. And when In they're pr- telling you it doesn't. Right. You should do it. Before we move on and, and cut you off here, I love how, li- listen to this. BP says it seeks to guarantee it can meet its internal rate of returns of 6 to 8% on renewables projects. How low of a bar can you set? 6 to 8%? You can just go buy money market treasury bonds for 5.5% right now. 6 to 8%? Oh, but you take a look at our Don't put the bar, don't strain no. yourself too much. I mean, 6 to 8%. If I ever walked in with the deal and was like, Stu, I think we should buy this. It's a 6% return. You'd slap me and say, go find something else. There's no meat on that bone. No. Uh, our other ones that we've done that uh, are greater, 30%. Um, you almost have to tax. be because especially in the oil and gas business, as prices vary on you, you need to make sure you've got enough cushion to sustain a lower oil price. Now, again, when the economics are different. If you can guarantee yourself every year based upon the electrical contracts that you're selling, I don't know enough about the renewable business. That to me just seems like, <laughs> don't put the bar too high, folks. 
Wouldn't want to shoot. Don't shoot for the stars when you could just jump a foot. (laughs) That's how I would look at it. You got anything else? Do you on fire today? Oh, I was. But there's a whole process. There's multi-threads that I have not been explaining very well. And I'm going to start documenting these out in articles that I'm coming out with because the multi-thread facet is why Energy Newsbeat is so successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, let's go here and, and flip over to the finance section, guys. Overall markets were actually fairly flat. S&P was about three tenths of, or about a tenth of a percentage point. NASDAQ finishes fairly flat. Oil prices rebounded about four and a half percentage points, currently finishing the day 76.04. But again, that's mainly due after three straight days of absolute tumble, 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 tumble. We saw natural gas trading below $3 for the first time in about two weeks, $2.96. Real reason mainly that we, we, we've seen prices shedding is, is a lot of profits and a lot of short positions. Um, we're, 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 we're taking profits mainly after that, that deep. So part of the reason when investors and, and, and short-term traders come in and cover their short positions, which is betting on the market going down, you tend to see a rise in the price because they're having to sell. They're having to basically sell their call options, which in a, in, in, in a backhanded way moves prices up a little bit. Um, but we still ended, as I mentioned, 76.04. Things, it's not necessarily meaning that we're all of a sudden now boom into in, into a bull rush here you know you you know i wouldn't also necessarily say this was what this is a a dead cat bounce as they call it which is a, a slight rebound before another drop um i think mainly what you're seeing is 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 the chinese economy we, we've been sort of told that oh the data looks good the data looks good it's not good folks that you know you've got almost 80 <laughs> percent of their real estate of their financial real estate sector is indebted to the point where they can't pay it back i mean the property crisis is absolutely insane industrial growth has really begun gun to slow this factor in this or this sentiment that, oh, China is just going to keep on rolling. It's the data is not bearing that out. And so I think that's really, I think that's really hurting the long-term projections. And I think why, I mean, you know, there was, you know, if you were at the hard energy executive conference last week, you would have heard $120 oil. I'm still skeptical that we're going to see $120 oil. I seem to think this 75 to 85 bandwidth is exactly is where oil probably will trend for the next three to four months. I'll probably, I'm not ready to put my flag down there yet, Stu, but I might in a little bit, you know, kind of make my, make my case for, I don't know if we go really above 90 unless, you know, obviously unless, you know, somebody drops a nuke on somebody, but I am not sure, you know, unless, and again, this is where they, they don't, one of the reasons I wouldn't necessarily put my flag there is for two reasons, Stu. One, this article dropped over the weekend. OPEC plus considers whether more oil cuts are needed. According to sources, done, done, done. This is a, a Reuters piece. They say OPEC Plus is set to consider whether to make additional oil supply cuts when the group meets later this month. According to three OPEC sources, told Reuters after prices have dropped almost 20% um, since late September. Super interesting. So the real question is how much would they drop? They've already have that extension of about a million barrels. The real question is, what would that new extension be? One OPEC source who declined to be named said the existing cuts might not be enough and the group will likely analyze if it could be implemented when it meets. Two other sources said the deeper cuts could be discussed. So they may not do more, but I definitely, definitely think there's a possibility that there's more cuts. You know, the oil market, according to their latest report for OPEC, says that 
fundamentals remain strong despite quote negative sentiment. You know, IEA is is has updated their demand. They they think it's going to be a little bit of a lower demand forecast, growth forecast. I think they're responding to some of that Chinese data too. So I think the real question is, what do you think OPEC's going to do? Do you believe they're going to cut? I think they'll probably do a moderate cut, 200 to 750,000 barrels a day. And it'll be more of a show than it will be a deep, deep cut because at some point it's nice to sell oil. Where do you see them doing? I have two two uh, uh, emotions on this. Uh, I quit having data. <laughs> Emotion. Uh, Saudi uh, has done a great job uh, admitting that they need the hundred dollar oil, and and so that's a that's going to be a a vote for cut. Russia has been very very successful with the uh, making money even with sanctions through natural gas, but they are in favor of cutting because then their EMP operations do fabulous uh, and make more money with less effort. So. You're, you got the two biggest uh, influencers, uh, if you would. They're not on TikTok. Uh, I haven't seen the prints on TikTok yet. Uh, but uh, you see the two biggest influencers there saying they need $100 oil. The dark fleet has been just going nuts. In fact, there's now lawsuits against Russia because they've been selling it at $90 oil in the dark fleet to India in record numbers. And India is thrilled to get it because they're paying in rubles and they're, mm-hmm. they're able to bypass SWIFT. They're able to bypass the U.S. dollar, saving them money in different areas of trade. Oh, so that is not calculated into the price of oil and and or there. So I can't make a price anymore on oil. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'll still remember that everyone was calling for two hundred dollar oil, but uh, I'll make I'll make sure to point that out to everybody. I'd be remiss if I didn't cover rig counts, guys. We actually saw a bump change of we saw about two rigs um, week over week increase. Current rig count stands at one hundred or six hundred and eighteen. We saw Canada drop three internationally. We saw twenty two. So we did see two rigs get added to the market again. I don't know how much of a material change that, that that I don't know if that's quite signifying a massive shift in, in where rigs are going. But it, it is interesting to see that rig count move. Move up. Nothing really on the on the newswire for oil and gas that really dropped. You know, Exxon and, and Hess announced that their third floating, they called FPSO, but floating production, storage, and offloading vessel is what they call it in Guyana. This is their uh, third FS or FPSO, as they call it, um, just got brought online. I don't know how many wells this is, but as they continue to bring more wells online, they they expect it to reach about 220,000 barrels of oil per day. And again, that entire Guyana unit, they're hoping to get um, by 1.2 million barrels per day in that Starbrock block by end of 2027. So it's an absolutely huge project, Stu. Isn't that great? Yeah, uh, absolutely yeah. crazy. Exxon Mobil owns a 45% interest. Hess has a third. Well, now Chevron has a 30% interest and China has a 25% interest. So got to love, uh, we're helping the Chinese out as well. So thank you, Exxon. Uh. <laughs> all right, Stu, that's about all I've got. You got anything uh, people should be worried about? this week? Thanksgiving, it's probably going to be a chiller week. Um, I don't know. You know, nothing too. We usually get any crazy news over Thanksgiving. Um, it depends. Uh, personally, I'm I am not going to be surprised if you're going to see some social disrest this week intentionally because the January six tapes were released by our new 
uh, Speaker of the House. And that kind of tells you, even though Matt Gates, in my opinion, was a chowderhead, he was right because the old Speaker of the House never released these. And now you're going to see a bunch of Hamas uh, supporters or Palestine supporters uh, across the country encouraged by the Democrats. So stay away from any of those during Thanksgiving. Enjoy your family and hug everybody. How's that for a weird thread? <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with that. Just, just, I don't even know where to begin. Your head just exploded for our podcast listeners. Michael was curled up in the fetal position under his desk about to throw up. <laughs> I'll do it. We just got to end this now so I can go puke. Um, well, we appreciate that, guys. We'll, again, we'll be here today, tomorrow. Then you'll get a bunch of Stu's podcasts come Wednesday through Sunday, and then we will be back in your ear Monday. Uh, hopefully, it's a short week for you guys. Hopefully, you're able to take some time off. Again, Thanksgiving. We love it. Hope you spend time with friends and family. Um, for Stu Turley, Michael Tanner, guys, we'll see you tomorrow, and uh, have a great Monday, guys. See you. See you.